I'm Damian Johnson. I'm AJ Atkinson. I'm Fairman Trey Jr. And welcome to the DPT Expedition. We are current physical therapy students in Boston. Discussing our real life experiences and perspectives in a real, unedited fashion. Welcome back to the latest episode of the DBT Expedition. I'm Fairming, as always, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Damon and AJ. What's up, fellas? What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, man? I'm good. Can't complain. And you know what's crazy? We've already finished CE1. It feels like, you know, like it seems like a couple months ago we were talking about even getting to this point, and now we're already done with CE1 and we're starting CE2, so... This is going to be a reflection episode of how our experiences have been in our first clinical rotation and just kind of hear what, where you're at, um, you know, the pros about your environment and what you enjoy and learn about yourself first off. And then we'll dive into some other things as the conversation continues. But just kind of want to hear from both your guys' perspectives, um, where you guys were at, the pros about the environment you're in and what you enjoy and learn about yourself. Whoever wants to take that off first, that's let's let's talk. All right, I guess I'll start this off. Um, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. We're already into our CE two actually, but CE one, of course, like Meg said, it was four weeks. And I remember we talked about beginning of the year how we uh, didn't know what to expect, so kind of flew by. But um, the setting I was in was outpatient neuro population. Um, I was at a Brigham facility. Uh, it was actually fantastic because as as much neuro we did during the class like doing it with actual live patients and you know remembering what you have to test and all the examinations you have to do and patient care and um, other social factors or behavioral factors that go into it um, for any type of population such as um, stroke um, tbi you had um different type of neurological diseases like FND. Um, so it was very interesting, but um, it was very eye-opening, I guess, for uh, that sake and seeing those type of uh, people come in and expecting, you know, outcomes because that was another good thing about this. So um, some of the pros I would say, um, besides just seeing a different view of population was um, actually getting to feel like I had some kind of comfort in taking people through these outcome measures, um, giving them explanations that made sense because with this population, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, with brain injuries, there's no guarantee in, you know, returning to prior levels of function. So when people ask questions, giving them realistic answers, um, but being honest about it, um, that was something that I felt was a pro because you know, sometimes it's really easy as PTs to give lofty goals, like, yeah, you're going to get your strength back. Yeah, you'll be able to do these things. But telling someone who you know possibly might never walk again without a cane or walker that, yeah, they'll maybe be able to, like, go to their second floor of the house someday. Like, that's, you know, an eye-opening new experience I had to kind of get used to educating people about. Um, so that was a good pro. Another thing was my CI it was very, um, you know, understanding of where I was. So, uh after talking about, you know, the way I like to learn, he kind of like threw me in and let me try things and was there to, you know, buffer anything I, I you know, wasn't good at or something like that. Um, so that was also a very good pro um, and, you know, sometimes underrated because if you don't have someone who's, you know, facilitating the way you like to learn, it can be kind of stifling and stressful. So um, 
another pro about this environment was not only because of where I was, there's a lot of therapists, but um, there's a lot of different disciplines. So while I'm seeing someone uh, for a stroke, if I have a little downtime in between a patient, there's another neuro PT in there who's looking at someone for, for vestibular issues. So I got to do a lot of, um, you know, Dick's Hall Pike maneuvers. I got to see a lot of uh, nystagmus and things like that. I got to work with a lot of um, balance issues also on top of the other things I was doing. Um, so I think that's also a great pro. Um, and as far as like what I learned or enjoyed most or learning about myself was, um, I always claim I'm very introverted, but um, I kind of had a deeper enjoyment for the place I was because it kind of brought the extrovert out more. Um, because with these people and population type, you don't, you don't want to come off as just a doctor or another health professional. You want to relate to them on a better level because it's hard for someone who's lost, you know, entire function or way of living for themselves to trust somebody to work with them. So, um, developing th those social skills, which I felt I was already pretty adept in, but getting better at that was, you know, something I really learned about myself as well as, um, trial by fire. Um, I kind of like, you know, after going through as much, you know, schoolwork as we did, and we both, and we all know, like we set through a lot of schoolwork, a lot of classes, a lot of reading, a lot of testing, um, being thrown in, you know, for lack of bad terms, into the wolves, like being put in the lion's den and trying to see like, will you survive? Will you remember certain things? I kind of learned like, I recall a lot more than I know. I just have to be confident in pulling it out. Um, so that's something I really learned about myself, especially with this population. Um, and, you know, it, it was just overall a great experience. I mean, seeing as I have a seamless and I'm in the same place for my second clinical experience, I still see some of the same patients and it's a good sign that when I see them, they still want to talk and say hi and ask how I'm doing. We have conversations like that. That bodes well for me. I feel like that, that leaves a lasting impression. So, um, yeah, overall, my, my first experience has been, you know, eye opening, great. And I learned a lot. So uh, it was a great experience for me. Uh, I was just going to say um, before um, Dame hops in, I think it's it's cool to see be able to see like even though it's only been four weeks from where you started to where you end up in that four weeks, just to, you kind of just rattled off a bunch of pros and, and things that you learned about yourself. And I think it's, it's cool to see the, the jump from when you first started and to where you're at now. And obviously you're not close to your finished product, but I think it kind of helps illustrate that, hey, we all gotta start somewhere. Uh, we gotta start somewhere and we're all gonna start at different places. Um, but we all are trying to improve every day, every week, every person that we see on communication, hands-on skills, things like that. So I think it's just a, it's, it's a cool way to look back and, and see the progress you've, you've made over, over the, the course of the clinical internship. But Dame, I will pass it on to you. All right, all right. So my clinical was in an orthopedic setting in New York City. So I guess the pros to that is I had a very diverse um, patient population to the to the point where I was actually studying Spanish so I could communicate with some of my Spanish speaking um, patients, which is pretty cool. Um, I think many people should learn at least Spanish because it's like what the second largest um, language spoken in in the United States. So that was dope. Um, Another pro to being in 
that setting is even though it was primarily orthopedic, I saw uh, um, some neuro patients as well. And, you know, our professors, they always said this. They say, even though you're working in orthopedic or you may want to specialize in orthopedics, you will see neuro patients. And I didn't realize that until I finally got into clinical one. Um, I saw a Parkinson patient. I saw um, an MS patient. And it really made me think of like all the different interventions that we practice in school and how, how do I apply that in a clinical setting without like all those equipment that we have in school. So it, it, it was a good, it was a good setting to like push myself, like pushing, just being at your edge, being at the edge of your boundary and just, you know, pushing that edge. Um, Another cool thing about the clinical is that I saw um, I saw people who had different dysfunctions at different levels of the body. So I saw neck, I saw shoulders, I, I saw lower back, knee, ankle. We did the whole body. So it was amazing. Like I was literally implementing everything that I learned in all of our orthopedic classes. Um, you know, I was learning better techniques, how to do joint molds, how to do better stretches. And um, especially with people who had like frozen shoulder, I was able to see the difference from day one to like the, the last day I was at the clinical site. So that was really cool. Um, what else? So um, what are some things that I learned about myself? So for me personally, I didn't think I would you know, be into like reading research and like listening to podcasts about research. But what I wanted to do was provide, you know, evidence-based um, interventions for my patients, because that's, that's the standard that I want to set for myself, even as a student, before I even graduate and become a professional. And so to that point, I will always find myself listening to, you know, the podcast by, um, um, it's called PT Inquest, and they review different evidence-based articles on interventions, everything PT-related. It's a really good podcast. Check it out. And then in terms of, like, exercises, I would check out the Prehab Guys. Shout out to the Prehab Guys. Really good content on exercises for throughout the, the body. Very good podcast to listen to when it comes to interventions. And so I will push myself to not repeat what I've done with other patients who had similar dysfunctions because every patient is unique and every patient deserves to have a unique um, experience when they come to the clinic. And that's that. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I, I enjoy that you learned that and you've kind of, uh, you know, found you like looking at research because I realized that, you know, watching my CI too, um, there's a lot of weight that you carry when you answer a question and have something to back it up because a lot of people, you know, despite what they're going through, will have their own interpretation of what they think is best for them. Um, and I mean, we all know you can't force someone to do something. They still have autonomy at the end of the day, but giving a little bit of evidence or something like that is, you know, really strong. So I'm glad you found that about yourself. Um, and also kind of like to your point, I didn't get to, I mean, kind of now my, my second clinical, I'm getting to do more of the full body, but like with neuro, when you do an examination, I actually, 
forgot how much I knew about as far as like neurological screening. Like you have to do the whole body to do total like limbs, both sides. I remember doing some of my evals. It took literally almost the whole time because I'm running through vibration, proprioception, like a light touch. I'm doing uh, dorsiflexion. I'm checking tone on each limb and arm just to see like what's different. And then by the time I get to the end, I'm like, well, I mean, I got to have better time management because we got 10 minutes and I got to do everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting when you, you know, if you go through the full body and you're like, well, I hope I remember this. But, um, yeah, I, I like that you you learned that about yourself and actually you got that experience early on because this is going to be better for, you know, the next time you go out. So so we're just students and we're not expected to, like, know everything. Right. But every every one episode of like a podcast you listen to or one article that you read, that's just one more question that you can answer. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And I think that's something that it, it's, it's hard to like come to terms with that. Cause you want to know everything as a student and like try and answer every question that comes your way, but it's a process. And I think being able to educate yourself every day, um, and, and what you're seeing and being able to reflect on, you know, what you've seen, maybe what went well, what could be done to improve next session, what do you want to focus on next time I see them, um, you know, kind of, and just responding to, you know, how they felt and then looking at what, you know, the evidence says. And so I'm trying to think about if I were in their shoes, how would I, how would I feel or what would I want to know or questions what I have and trying to maybe base you know, what you're looking up research-wise or podcast-wise based on that if you put them on, on the other side. So that's kind of what I've been, I've been trying to do. But in terms of also my experience, I'm also in an outpatient setting. And some of the pros, it's, it's super fast-paced. Um, before COVID, they were seeing patients at a half-hour clip. And because it, once COVID hit, it kind of uh, extended to an hour just to maintain social distancing and, and all that stuff and, and cleanliness. But now it's starting to shift back to the half hour slots. So when I first started out, um, it was a lot of hour patients. And now it's, it's more it's shifting back to the half hour sessions and seeing more, more patients. So it's really fast. And it, it kind of forces me to be on my feet, think on my feet and um, kind of figure out, prioritize what's the most important for this person today based on how they're coming in and and what their what their end goals are so i really like that um my ci is 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 super cool um i think she she's taking the time to understand how i learn and how i learn best and and what i'm trying to get out of the rotation and i've kind of learned about her what her kind of style is and how she kind of flows with things and i'm making sure to ask her a lot of questions. She's open to all the questions that I have. Sometimes she'll she'll throw some clinical like questions my way, and I'm like, "Yeesh, I have no idea." <laughs> it's uh, there's a, there's a lot of work to do, but it also is like then we'll talk about it at the end, or I'll go home and go look up some stuff, and then we'll come back and talk about it again. So we've had a good relationship four weeks in, and um, I'm excited for it to continue to grow and evolve as we as we spend more time. Um, and I think the last, one of the last pros is I've been able to see the full spectrum of, of people from someone who's two days post-op ACL surgery to someone who's a, a year out 
trying to return to lacrosse or hockey or skiing or whatever it may be. Um, I didn't really see a lot of that um, in when I was a, a PT tech. So being able to see the whole process and understanding how what's important in early stages versus what's more important in later stages and trying to meld those two together and how to you know, get to each stepping stone, I think has been you know, something that I really enjoyed. And I think the experience has been, has been good. Um, and what have I enjoyed or learned about myself? Um, I think I'm naturally a more observer person. Let me see how patterns, let me see, you know, mannerisms, let me see if I can recognize things and then I'll come in and, and like build on that. And so this um, internship has kind of forced me to do a lot more outside of clinic and because I feel like I don't know anything. There's moments where I'm like, I feel like I don't know anything, but um, so it's just, it's forced me to put more time outside of, um, outside of clinic and adjusting to the hours and, and trying to make sure I have energy throughout the day. So whether that's, you know, taking more quick little breaks to get snacks or, you know, stay hydrated, um, that's kind of another thing I've had to kind of learn and implement to try and manage uh, being more efficient. Uh, AJ, you were just talking about this with the initial evals, um, trying to be more efficient, man, and get all the important things that you need to get, but also educate and interventions and making sure that we hit everything that we got to hit in that 30 minutes or an hour slot, because it goes by fast. And you're, all of a sudden you look at the clock and you're like five minutes left. How am I going to fit all this in? Like it, it's a tough spot to be in. And um, in terms of just efficiency, not only with the plan of care, but with documentation, because it's a lot to get used to the, the lingo and, and the PT uh, vocabulary and making sure that you document what was done, but you also document for yourself to see what you did the previous time so that you can kind of build on it or see if you got to address other things. And last thing, I, I've kind of, thought it was a lot, but it's just, it's fun to like read about, like read about, you know, the kinesiology of the knee or learning about anatomy of the, of the shoulder. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just a reminder of, you know, we really love this. Like if, it, if we didn't love it, we wouldn't put in all this, this time. And so it's kind of been just a reminder of, uh, how much I love this and how much I want to continue to do it. So that's kind of, for those three, those are kind of my experience so far. I, I want to hit on something that you said. You said like, you feel like, you know, you don't know anything. And I feel like that's like the root of like imposter syndrome, especially that feeling that new grads graduate as, especially as physical therapists. And I think it's going to be big for those who graduated during quarantine era where our classes are online. But I think the most important thing is to just realize how much you know now compared to before you came into physical therapy school. And that would like carry you through your first couple of years as a physical therapist. And then you just build up from there. Yeah. And I think also like simplifying things, um, understanding the phases of healing. What can I do in this phase while their tissue is healing versus if they're been out a couple a couple of months, this is what I can do in here and, and trying to fit things into, um, into those kind of systems and trying to simplify things to not make it so like, it's so all over the place. And you're like, 
could this guy do this here or could I do this there or, or just trying to simplify things and, and make it easier I think will also has also helped me and I think will help you know new grads coming coming out into the into the field yeah I, I agree and I, I like your points um like it's 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 crazy because I was the same way like I, I something I recommend people do in their clinical experience I take notes like you know we'll get there early enough to look over you know your cases for the day and who you're going to see and there's I don't know I think there hasn't been many weeks where I don't have a day where I'm writing down a diagnosis or a certain condition that I'm just not familiar with and I'll look it up while I have some time or I'll go home and do it um, just so I can you know get familiar with you know what's caused it what the symptoms are what the patient might present with because that's something else I've learned um, patients don't always present as they see on paper or in, on your notes um, and it's it's very interesting to find out um, so you know just having that preparedness to where you want to you find out you, you love this like you find out more about yourself where you're, you're learning things about the body and you're like you start to put these you know neural links together like oh they have this symptom oh this affects this symptom. like this is why this part of their body is not doing this so um, I definitely agree like looking up things and doing things outside of the clinic has been um, very interesting um, but going into you know talking about uh, where you're trying to improve on like documentation efficiency uh, these last two questions I'll kind of send out because um, I definitely have a lot to talk about with this too um, in regards to uh, our clinical experience so far what would you do to improve um, you know what happened during your CE1 um, you know in regards to yourself or you know the environment itself and then also um, you know given what you you know in regards to our school and how they designated our locations um, what would you change in the future and then like what would you say as far as like to make it better for future clinical experiences and I'll just shoot that to either of you to start oh man oh man that's a loaded question but you know I'm I'm gonna be civil you know I'm a <laughs> I'm gonna go in my my magical hat full of uh, different items. I'm gonna pick out just one, just one today. So um, we're gonna talk about um, carving out more time for learning experiences with the student. So my clinic is very fast paced. Um, people don't come on time. So somebody who's scheduled at 9 a.m. may come at 2 p.m. and we may be working with both the 9 a.m. and the 2 p.m. patient. So as you can see, um, it, it can be hard and challenging sometimes to have those one-on-one, -on -one, you know, um, learning experiences between the student and the CI. So I would probably say to my CI, you know, establish a, um, a lateness or a cancellation rule so that, you know, you could control the flow of the clinic throughout the day and then properly schedule out time for learning experiences with the with the student you may have. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, in terms of our school, I would say for our clinical team, you know, um, we do have a policy where we can recommend sites but I feel like it's not being implemented as much as it should be. 
Um, I, I think I would like to see more sites on the list that people actually recommended versus sites that have an, an established relationship with the school. I think um, there's a lot of benefit to being more flexible in that realm. Um, one, you don't run the risk of not having enough sites for students. Two, you can increase the diversity of the patient population that your students may interact with. And three, it just takes a lot of your work off your shoulders if you allow students to recommend sites and actually implement those sites instead of saying, we'll see. Because we will see. That was uh, well said, Hank. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you uh, recognize ways that you can improve your clinical experience. Um, hopefully, those things change in the future. But also, uh, in regards to our school and everything, I completely agree. Um, it shows more interest when students can come up with their own clinics or suggestions that they of places they want to be. Because when you have those type of environments that students want to put themselves in, it creates a better outcome because they're trying to get that experience. So I think, yeah, like you said, being more open to that um, and receptive and trying to get that done would be very beneficial because, you know, I can't help but say like, I know it's COVID times, but there's no guarantee that we were even gonna have this clinical experience. So it can't hurt to have more places be put on a list from suggestions from students, as opposed to waiting on places that they have relationships with already responding to them. Um, so I completely agree with what you're saying, but I'll shoot it over to Meg, like you go ahead and answer. Yeah, <clears throat> Dame, I think you hit um, that that point very well. I think, you know, it is hard with being in a pandemic and, and no one saw this coming and I'm sure there would have been more opportunities available if we were not in a pandemic. And also remembering the fact that we're competing against other schools for clinic sites and, and so, if it was just us, I'm sure there'd be a lot more options, but there's like a bunch of other programs in the Northeast or throughout the country about uh, trying to fight for clinical placements for students. So also just trying to keep that in mind, but I also think just in terms of to improve the current um, clinical experience, I think for me, something I'm trying to work on is to create like a checklist or, or checklist of like skills or things that I should be progressing at in a certain time frame. So whether it's first week being good with GONI measurements with uh, swelling measurements, um, things like that. By the fourth week, you should be able to do a whole eval, um, subjective, objective eval, like things like that. I think it's kind of, I know there's like the thing on the, on the school, on our D2L about, um, you know, these are things you're supposed to have done by the end of your C1, C2, but I think that's very general and it's not going to be the same at every clinic because there's different settings, you're seeing different populations, there's different things that you're going to focus on at each place. So that's something I'm trying to work on right now just to make sure that I'm hitting what I'm supposed to hit, but also feel like I'm progressing at the level I'm supposed to progress at. So that's um, kind of one thing that I would do to improve my C right now. And in terms of the, the school, um, I think we, if we could implement more practice with documentation in the clinic, how they document in the clinic, because we kind of got the impression that, you know, your documentation has to be very, very detailed. And it does, like you have to 
make sure that insurance or whoever is reading it understands what you did and why you did it. But um, I think, you know, you go into the clinic expecting to, to write it one way and they're like, okay, this is too much. You don't need this much. Um, we don't ever write it like this. Um, and I'm just like, okay, well, I think in school we could have been better. We could have maybe, we have some clinicians in there. So they're like, this is how I document. And so um, just to get more of a clinical thing to kind of make that transition a little easier. So um, can help with the efficiency because that's something we're all trying to balance right now with um, being in our first or second clinical. And the other thing is having more, you like, like actual difficult conversations and forcing everyone to engage in those conversations, um, whether it's you have a neuro patient or a stroke patient who might not be able to return back to their previous function. How do you have that conversation um, instead of being thrown out into the thrown into the fire, which could be good or bad, depending on how you are, but just having a better idea of how to see the person where they're at and have a conversation with them and not you know, kind of make it super uncomfortable for the everyone involved, but, you know, you're just kind of being a, a human and, and having that conversation that's not as uncomfortable. So I think those are the two things that I would suggest for um, just schools in general, because I don't think that's something that's focused on throughout. I, I like all those answers, actually. Um, <laughs> you and Dane probably kind of, if you put yours together, kind of highlight what I was going to talk about with mine. Um, because uh, as far as like answering the questions, as far as improving my current or my previous CE one, since I'm on CE two now, um, like as for myself, I'm the same way. I want to improve with uh, efficiency as far as like I'm learning about myself. Like I'm a pretty good active listener, but I'm not great at being actively a good listener and typing at the same time. Like being able to type everything someone's saying in a conversation about while at the same time making them feel like I'm not you know, just looking at my computer, I'm actually paying attention. That's a skill that we don't really get to work on in school. Um, that's something I want to work on by myself to improve my experience as well as outside of documentation, just like, um, you know, being willing to jump to other therapists if I'm feeling like, you know, I'm not really seeing too many people um, so I can practice because I know our school has set up like goals that we can meet or we should meet and me and my CI, we did talk about like things we should meet uh, weekly, um, but I didn't like the setup of that. Um, I kind of feel like if you set a goal to meet during the week, it kind of gives you like a finite thing. Um, and in PT, we're always progressing or learning or getting better at things. So the way I set my goals up, um, which I don't know whoever's listening, they could try this in the future. I set my goals up as things I want to get better at continually. So. I set my goal like I want to be better at documentation and like I said, typing subjective while active listening. I want to be better at knowing which special tests to pull and then actually being hands on. Like my set my goals so that I'm going to be improving on them well past my CE experience. Um, I think that's something that would help in the future because the way we had it set up where we have to pick our goals and try and meet them weekly kind of made it seem like I have to pick very objective things that you know i could say i got better today but doesn't mean i'm good in the future um as far as my clinic i know we're in a pandemic and it's kind of hard but to make the experience better um i think as far as like patience and um adherence to actually being in the clinic uh, is kind of hard to control um there's some days where i'll see like 
eight to 10 patients in a day and it's great. We're flowing. We have 30 minute sessions or an hour session, depending on if they're new or returning. And I'm getting a lot of chance to talk with them or if not even get to try things observed a lot. And other days, like we'll have six cancellations just because people don't want to show up. It's too cold. They're sick or there's, you know, COVID restrictions. So I, there's a lot of days where I'm missing that opportunity to get, you know, experience. And it's no fault of my CI or the clinic, but I feel like it, it will make my experience better if there's a way to manage that. Like if you see a bunch of cancellations, we'll be like, all right, well, for the, from this hour to this hour, you're going to be shadowing this PT and you'll come over to this PT. Then you'll come back to me when we have another patient, just so I'm not sitting there, you know, trying to find other times. Because a lot of times, you know, we do study or we'll, we'll track this different test when we don't have a patient. But, you know, after a while, it kind of, it starts to wear off, not just on me, but on the CI because he feels like he's not giving me an experience um, that I need to facilitate my learning. But those would be just certain things I try to improve, um, you know, to make the CE experience better. But as far as our school, I think you guys highlighted it great. I feel like, just like you said, if we could have suggestions and then take those a little more seriously, um, like what you said, Mang, if we could have, you know, documentation a little bit, you know, more in depth, talk about how we'll be in clinic as opposed to what we do in school and those tough conversations. Um, and I guess mine is kind of like um, when they give out the site list or they give, you know, how we have a survey and they ask us like questions. If they actually have a question saying like, what populations would you like to be around? Because with me, I, I don't mind seeing certain people. I, I feel like I treat everyone this, like the same, even though everyone's unique. I try and treat them the same respect, but it's going to be very interesting, not just for myself. I feel like us three, we're pretty experienced in being able to, you know, code switch, as we say, and talk to different people and, you know, adjust to populations. But I can't say that for all my classmates. They see one population and one type of demographic the entire time they're in school and then they go work somewhere else. If they'll prosper as well as they could have, if they were able to practice being around those type of people with a CI with them. Because once you're on your own and you're dealing with it, those patients don't care. Like they don't care if you have an experience, they want to get help. So if somehow we can have, you know, that in future clinical experiences where we're getting to pick or suggest where we might want to have work, because just like we get to say, like, I want to work with neuro, I want to work with inpatient. If I were to say like, I want to work in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood, hopefully, or like, I want to work in a place where I'm not as comfortable that way I can get comfortable. I feel like that would be beneficial for our school. Um, so I think hopefully in the future they can do that and maybe clinical experiences will be more encompassing of what it's going to be like in the real world. So I think that would be my answer to those. Yeah, that's a, that's a great suggestion because there's so many programs and like so many opportunities when it comes to helping out the, the un, um, damn, I forgot the word, the, the underserved population. So, um, I think if Clinette partner partners with those programs, you know, they could give like really good uh, clinical experiences, especially to people who have no experiences working with those population. And so you're killing two birds with one stone. You're giving the students those unique clinical experience and you're helping out those underserved populations. Completely agree with that name. Like if you can help the students out by seeing that there are underserved populations, because Sometimes it's really easy to be, you know, aloof to what's going on in the health world and not see that there's a lot of people that need help that aren't getting it. But at the same time, giving that experience to her, like, 
you are in that realm to where you know how to treat people that might not have, you know, certain insurance that can pay for so many visits or might have a, a language barrier or might have something else that's, you know, deterring their best care. So I completely agree with that point. And even like you talk about like schools coming together or students coming together, like you hear about it with like PT clubs for meetups and stuff, but like, what if we had like with other schools and mass, like, like community, like screens or, or something like that. And just able to go out into community. Cause sometimes you like, you go to school, you get on the train and you go home or you get in your car, you go home. You're not really like in the community walking around Some, sometimes, not, not, not for everybody, but sometimes you miss like what's happening in, in your neighborhood or in your, in your, by your school. And I think if we can, like, if we could collab with other programs that are in mass and maybe just like try and get away from we're competing for all the same clinical spots, but we're actually trying to make a difference in, in this community while we're here. Maybe we're not gonna stay here, but while we're here, we're, let's make a difference in the community and help. I think that'll help us as a profession, you know, be able to collaborate with each other more. And also I think it'll help put more people on the map about what physical therapy is and what it can do. And for people who can't afford it because of insurance or working or whatever the case may be, then you have options to to get treated by by students and um i think it just it's it's, a, it's an option i think it'd be cool to do it. i just thought of this as we were talking right now but um we can we can talk with higher ups and see what the possibilities of that are but um yeah anything else you guys want to hit before we we wrap up for this one no i'll just say i've enjoyed my experience so far um like it, I, I try to take every day. I told my CI this, like he was sometimes feeling like I was bored or I wasn't doing anything. And I always said, like, if I don't take a, a chance to learn something every day or get better at something when we aren't doing anything, then that's on me. I should never come out of clinic, even if I only saw one patient a day and feel like I got nothing out of it. So I feel like that's something important that has been good about this experience. Like I'm making sure I'm t making the most of it, um, which has been good. Everything has been a learning experience, whether I'm not seeing patients or seeing patients, whether I'm succeeding at certain things or failing at certain things, I'm taking everything as, you know, I'm learning about the way I want to do things in the future. So I've just thoroughly enjoyed so far what I've gone through. Shout, shout out to my my first clinical. It's been a quite the learning experience. But I think uh, what what people often forget is even even though you're a student and you're the um, you're under a CI, um, you can also think about how you can provide to that CI as a student. You know, because you guys are both learning from each other, and you know it's not just one way street. And I think that's often overlooked. So, great points to wrap it up. Um, and that was another episode of the DBT Expedition. Um, if you um, have topics that you'd like to talk about, that you want us to talk about, feel free to shoot us a DM. But like, comment, share this out with your friends. Um, let's let's talk about clinical experiences and let's hear about other clinical, how students are handling their clinical rotations during the pandemic. Um, we would love to hear it. And, you know, I hope everybody's doing well and we'll catch y'all on the next one. Thank you for listening and joining us. Please check us out on Instagram at the DPT Expedition and your favorite podcast streaming platform. Keep tuning in and we will see you next time.